Is it? I don't know if it's just me, but do you sense the presence of the Lord particularly this this morning? Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna try and be brief, and um, <laughs> famous last words. <laughs> I can see the the looks of to each other as I say that, and just to make space, uh, just to see what the Lord wants wants to do. Uh, at times like this, my, my great prayer and my great fear is, oh Lord, may I not get in the way. Uh, may we not, thank you so much, get in the way. What I'd love to talk about this morning is kind of a part two to last week. For those of you that weren't here last week, uh, we talked about one of the missing gifts that is so necessary um, in the church of, of Jesus and for us as individuals and actually in our world uh, is the gift of perseverance, uh, the gift of plodding, the gift of keeping going. It's uh, not a dramatic gift, it's not a sexy gift, but it's absolutely vital. And so often uh, we see that the prize goes to the plodders, the prize goes to those who keep going, the prize goes to those uh, who, just, uh, uh, who just hang in there. There's, there's, there's something about hanging in there. And I've noticed over the years, lots of incredibly gifted people um, who have shot up like a firework in the sky and almost as quickly disappeared. And then there are others who aren't so gifted. There are others who maybe don't, don't have a whole load of charisma and they just hang in there. And they just keep going. And years later, they're the ones who God is continuing to use. They're the ones who are making a difference. They're the ones who, who um, yeah, who just, stuff happens around them. Uh, and I just want to look at another um, very important element that, again, isn't talked about very much. And I understand why. One of the reasons this isn't talk, talked about very much is because even as I've been thinking about it this morning, I was actually going to talk, I went to bed last night, I'll be honest with you, I was going to talk about something completely different. <laughs> and then I woke up this morning and this wouldn't go away, so I'm having a go. Um, uh, and as I was this morning thinking and preparing and praying about this, one of my fears was, oh Lord, I don't want this to sound like legalistic. I don't want it to sound like having a go. And uh, so it's not. Uh, the subject is obedience. And obedience as the ultimate expression of intimacy. Uh, please don't hear this as, oh, you, you just, if you want blessing, you've got to earn it by obedience. If you want, if you want God to move, you've got to jump through these hoops. It's not like that. It's, it's, it's a relationship. It's pleasing the one you love. That's all obedience to God is. It's pleasing the one you love. It is the ultimate expression of intimacy, and it leads us to greater intimacy. As Jesus said uh, in John 15, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, that's, that's God's love language, obedience. It's the ultimate expression of worship. Uh, I love that old song, Isn't He Beautiful? Uh, but, this, but obedience beats it. Obedience is, is, is an active trust in the one whom we obey. And it's, uh, 
It's not a, a re, it's, the picture isn't so much a relationship of two lovers as a relationship of a father and his child. Because when you, you, you know, you, you, you trust your dad, you trust your dad when, when you, you realize that they love you and they've got your best interests at heart and they know what they're doing and they know what they're talking about and they are for you. Jesus said, for him this was true, in John 4, 34, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And you know, he was with the Samaritan woman at the well. She'd gone back to Sychar. She was in the middle of her, the first ever evangelistic mission in the history of Christianity. And uh, the disciples came back. He'd sent them into town to Tesco's to buy some sandwiches. And they came back and they said, hey, Jesus, you need to eat. We bought all this food for you. And he said, no, I've, 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 I've had my fill. And it was like, who bought him food? And then he says, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And that which was unique to Jesus, um, his sonship, is also secondarily a model for how we are to live. It's all about trusting obedience. And uh, sometimes... Uh, obedience is when all the evidence points in another direction. I love, I love the next two stories I'm going to read to you. Uh, I'm just going to read you a little bit of them, um, but I've, there's things I have only seen recently in them. It's kind of a very similar story, Luke 5 and John 21. And uh, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Um, uh, he preached from a boat. Um, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Listen to what Simon Peter says. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, they'd been, they'd been fishing all night when the fish are supposed to come to the surface. And all night... When they were finishing, they hadn't caught anything. And then Jesus comes to them and he says, go into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And it's like, but we've been there. We've just come to the shallow water. We've been there. That's where we were fishing all night. We, we know there hasn't been fish. But listen to what Simon Peter says. But because you say so. But because you say so. His word trumps everything. His word trumps trumps everything and as he says so they went and they did it and it went against common sense sometimes when God speaks sometimes it goes against every evidence it's like I've been bashing away at this for ages I've been doing this forever and then the Lord says no go do it one more time but it's never worked Will you listen to my voice? Will you listen to my voice? And will you follow? But I will do as you say. And then just read in John 21. This is even more extraordinary. Uh, you know, he does this miracle when he first meets them. And then he does the miracle again. The same miracle, or almost the same miracle. Um, after, after he rises from the dead... And, uh, 
Uh, I love this. Uh, Jesus, afterwards, John 21, verse 1, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. Um, and uh, they list who they were. And uh, in the early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. They just spent three and a half years with him. But again, they couldn't compute. They couldn't compute that it was, that it was Jesus. And the reason they couldn't compute is because they were filled with disappointment. So often when we're full of disappointment, we don't recognize Jesus when he comes to us. So often disappointment clouds our vision. And that's why it's important when he speaks. And I love how it goes. He called out to them, friends, haven't you caught any fish? As if he didn't know. (laughs) But sometimes he asks us what he already knows. Well, he always already knows. (laughs) Sometimes he asks us what he already knows just just for us to speak out the answer. No, they answered. Listen to what he says this time. They've been fishing all night again, all night, caught nothing. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, I would have understood it if he said, go down, go into deep water, because that worked last time. You know, last time you did the technique, it worked. Let's do it again and it will happen. But this time he doesn't say go down into deep water. This time he says put the nets on the right side of the boat. Now, we're talking inches. We're not talking go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We're not talking become a Baptist. We're not talking move to Brazil where there's revival. It's like down the road, (laughs) It's like here. You know, well, we just, the, the nets are down here. And we've been fishing and there's no fish down here. And he's saying, take the nets up from here, move them to here. There's no fish here. Really? Are you sure you don't mean into deep water? Obedience to his word changes everything. It changes everything. And it was from here to here. It was like a pivot. It was like, we've just been here, and he says here, so we'll have a go. And there were tons of fish. Both times, more than they could cope with. More blessing than they could cope with. And you know what? This is... this picture is repeated throughout scripture. Um, In the Exodus, you know, the the people are grumbling. Two million of them, probably, uh, were were dying of thirst. And God says, take your staff, your ordinary staff, your ordinary stick that's been with you for years and hit the rock. He hits the rock. San Pellegrino comes out by the gallon. And then the second time, The second time, uh, uh, God says, now speak to the rock. Now Moses, he didn't quite, you know, he he thought, no, 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 no. I'm going to rely on the the trusted method. The way you get water out of a rock is you hit it with a stick. I know I've been there. I'm safe with that. Do you see how often we turn God's now word into a tradition? 
Do you see how often we turn what God said today, what God said yesterday, he has to tell us to do it exactly the same today. And the thing about God is he's the God of variety. Why? Because he wants us to trick us? No, because he wants to teach us to trust him. It's not about whether you speak to a rock or you hit a rock. It's about trusting him. It's not about whether you go into deep water or to the other side of the boat. It's about obedience to his voice. Because in the place of obedience comes intimacy. Always in the place of obedience comes intimacy. And even though when Moses hit the rock, when the Lord said, uh, um, uh, uh, speak to the rock, water came out again by God's grace, there were consequences for Moses. Um, In Acts chapter 8, verses 26 and 27, again, this is another story I have always loved. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Now an angel of the Lord, verse 26, said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And do you you hear what, all he's saying is, there's Phil, he's having his coffee, and reading the Guardian. I mean, he must have been, he was, no, I won't say that. He was having his coffee, and he was reading the Times, and and, um, and the Lord says to him, put the coffee down, put the paper down, uh, uh, go down, and just go down towards the Gaza Road. He doesn't tell him why. He doesn't tell him what's going to happen when he goes there. He just says, will you go? And he goes. And as he does, without understanding at that point, a miracle happens. An absolute miracle happens. And, you know, there's this Ethiopian eunuch who's coming back from, uh, from going to the temple to worship. And do you know what? Almost certainly he's coming back a disappointed man because eunuchs weren't allowed into the temple. So he came all the way from Ethiopia and he was rejected by the temple guardians. And then he's on his way back and his chariot's sitting there and, uh, and the Lord says to Phil, Go and stand next to the chariot. Really? Okay. And then he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading from Isaiah 53. Now, at this point, God does not speak to him. Phil, off his own initiative, gets in the carriage and says, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I when there's no one to explain? Well, actually. And then they find a puddle and the eunuch is baptized in the puddle. Uh, We believe it's a puddle because we're Anglicans. Uh, Baptists would say it's a lake, uh, but their exegesis is faulty on the original. I'm just joking there, don't worry. (laughs) And um, It was funny in my head. That was another one that when I thought it was funny and then when it came out, it wasn't quite so funny. So I got the patronizing little bit of laughter, which makes it feel worse, to be honest. Would have been better if you just hadn't laughed at all. But there we are. Now I feel better having gone through that. I feel better still when I see my counsellor on Thursday. Uh, um, What was I talking about? Yes, the Ethiopian eunuch. And and Phil, God God doesn't say anything. And the reason he doesn't say anything, because at this point, total common sense kicks in. He's reading from the scripture. 
He's coming back. He needs to, do you know, like, God leads us to a place. Sometimes he speaks to us we don't understand. And then we get to the place where it's obvious. We preach the gospel. He doesn't need to tell us to tell people about Jesus. He's already told us. Anyone read the book? He doesn't need to tell us to pray for the sick. He's already told us. Anybody read the book? And so, and so the Ethiopian eunuch comes to the Lord. And what's wonderful about this story, what's amazing about this story, it's the compassion and grace of God because the eunuch has probably been rejected. And then amazingly, on his way back, he is gloriously accepted. God sends Phil, and Phil obeys even when he doesn't understand. And here's another one I love. Uh, this, uh, Phil's obedience changed the life of one guy. And we don't know how many other guys through his witness when he got back to Ethiopia. Uh, P- Peter, in Acts chapter 10, has a vision that it changes the history of the church of Jesus. And it's of animals that he says are unclean. Uh, because of the Levitical laws, and he doesn't understand. And three times, um, um, uh, a voice speaks to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And listen to this. Um, Verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius, who was the gentle gentle, Gentile, (laughs) I'm sure he was gentle as well, but I have no idea really, Uh, the Gentile centurion who was, um, uh, yeah, who wasn't Jewish, uh, found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? I love this so much. You know, Peter was a bit like me, not the brightest spark on the planet. You know, he didn't, he didn't get a, a first from Cambridge. He got a driving license, just like me. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and you know, He's obedient without understanding. I'm the one that you're looking for. Why have you come? <laughs> Why have you come? I was upstairs. Here's a beat. And do you hear what he says? Go down immediately. Uh, do not hesitate to go with them. You know, sometimes with obedience, it's a matter of timing. Sometimes timing is as important as as doing it. It's doing it when he says to do it. Uh, saying, well, um, I'll fit it in my diary next week, Lord. There's, there's kairos moments. There's moments of, of the now moment. This is the now moment. Miss it and you've missed it. And it's, it's learning to grow in that radical obedience. He obeyed and everything changed. Now, how do you hear him speak? How do you hear that? That's the question lots of us want to know. And uh, uh, it's, I believe um, it's both a charismatic gift, the gift of prophecy, and a relationship that you grow in. 
Uh, I think it's, it's a mixture of both. I think there are two elements. There's an element of gifting, but also it's a relationship. The only qualification you need to hear the voice of Jesus is to be a sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and they recognize my voice. And, and it's a relationship you grow in. Uh, the more you listen, the more you hear, and the more, this, the more you obey, the more he speaks. I've just found that to be so true. The more you obey, the more he speaks. And is it always, is it always clear? Utterly, utterly, utterly not. Absolutely not. And, and it's like, a, it's like a, was that you, Lord, or was it indigestion, is the way I like putting it. The number of times it's, was it you, Lord, or was it indigestion? Was that you? I'm not sure. And as I've said before, I, what I used to do, if I wasn't sure, I wouldn't step out in case I was wrong. Now, if I'm not sure, I'll step out just in case it's God. Because the first way, I never find out. The second way, at least I know. And if you do it humbly, if you do it gently, if you do it kindly, nobody dies. The worst that can happen is you might look a little bit foolish. And you know what? I spent most of my life looking stupid. It doesn't faze me anymore. It really, really doesn't. I spent most of my life looking stupid. I'm just going to say to Beth, where's Beth? Ah, I'm going to land a bit early, and I think we might just go for it. I mean in worship, not any... Um, uh, (laughs) That came out completely wrong. (laughs) Just, (laughs) all right, stop. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a charismatic gift, but it's also a relationship you grow in. And the way it works, the more I listen, the more intimacy I have with him. The more he speaks, and the more clearly I understand that it's him. And do you know what? He loves it. Listen to this. He loves it when we step out and we fail. He loves it. Just like he loves us, it's not he loves us more. It's like any parent ever taught your kids to, to ride a bike and you're like, mm, or, or the first steps and then they crash down or whatever it might be. And, and you, what do you say to them? You don't say, you messed up, you should have walked all the way, you failure. You say, well done. Mummy's so proud of you. Daddy's so proud of you. Come on, let's try again. Let's try again. That we need to understand Christianity not as rules and regulations, but as relationship. When we get that wrong, we get everything wrong. And so, and so it's it's as you step out, and if you get it wrong, nobody dies. And you learn. You, that's the place of learning. If you never get out of the boat, you'll never find out. You will never, ever find out. And this is as true in your business uh, when, you're, when you're 
rewiring someone's house, when you're talking with a neighbor as it is for a church community. This works everywhere. It's meant to work everywhere. And, and do you know, you learn. I, I just learned this summer. Uh, a few years ago, um, I, I got tired hearing about all these people like Causeway Coast Vineyard, you know, going out into the Mark Marks, going out into the street and blinking at people and they became Christians and they got healed when he smiled and all of that. And, and I was like, how can we lead this church into this when we don't do it? So I said to Andy, um, let's go into Watford Town Centre and then when we'll start doing it. And then when we've done, we've done it, we can teach the church. And Andy said, okay. And we went and we sat on a bench in what was Charter Place, but I think has now disappeared. And uh, we invited the Holy Spirit to come and we sat there for, I don't know, a long time. <laughs> and we looked for evidence of the Holy Spirit, but all we saw was shoppers walking by. And basically, in the end, Andy went up to some old gentleman and got told to F off. And uh, I spent two hours uh, looking for um, a lady with a limp and a green coat, because I thought that's what the Lord sent. Eventually found a lady with a limp and a questionably green coat after two hours in Primark, went up to her, and I got told to F off as well. And that's the end of the story. You know, and I was like, oh, Lord, why, why, why did you not, why, what went wrong? And I actually, those of you that were naturally supernatural, when I was interviewing Mark Marks, I said to him, you know, you've got all these stories. Me and Andy went out and we wanted to, you know, why didn't it work for us? And straight away, I can't believe this nice, mild, maddened man could have been so direct in front of 4,000 people. And he said, well, because you didn't do it out of compassion, did you? You went out there in order to be able to lead the church. You weren't there because you, you, you cared for them. And it was like I sat there. Oh, yes, that's, that's an interesting point. Thank you. And I just wanted to get off the stage and go somewhere quiet and repent and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Of course. Of course. It, it, it works in relationship. It works like that. And, and you know what I said earlier? It's, it's about nuance. Hearing God speak, it's a whisper, it's not a shout. It's a whisper, it's not a shout. And it's about like, you know what, what, what Peter did? You know, you're, the fish, you've been fishing there, now the other side of the boat. It's like pivot. The, the boats weren't huge. We're not talking about the QE2 uh, so we were fishing there, nets down this side. And do you know what? Sometimes it's literally about pivoting. And the only way I can describe it is pivot is when you keep one foot on the ground. And we need to keep one foot in Scripture. We really do. That's the only proviso. If it gets beyond what Scripture teaches, it ain't God because God isn't going to contradict himself. Now, sometimes it will seem uh, a little bit, um, it, sometimes it will seem a little bit like that's, that goes against my understanding of Scripture. And then we've got to re-examine, just like Peter. You know, he understood the Levitical laws to be one thing, and he applied them in one way. And then the Lord said, no, the Gentiles, now this is, the gospel is for the Gentiles. You've misunderstood. 
And there's a difference between being open than jettisoning. If we, if we go beyond the Bible on anything, we're stuffed. We really are. We start making up our own religion. And so we pivot in that way. And there's, there's no shortcut. There's no shortcut to this. But I just want to finish by telling you, guys, it's, it's electric. It's electric when you see God at work. And I'm not saying it's easy. We've worked hard all night and caught nothing. Really? Really? I just want to go to bed. Really, this hasn't been working. Really, the other side of the boat? Really, into deep water? Really, hit a rock with a stick? Really? But you know what? That's the place, if it's the Lord, where miracles happen. I remember uh, years ago, uh, in the summer of 2000, we did... We felt God say to us, instead of doing our festivals, um, to go to Manchester and uh, to, to do a mission with Andy Hawthorne and uh, the message um, evangelistic thing and everything. And, and just a bit before, we got into such dreadful trouble financially. I mean, it's been the story of our lives. Um, but we just got into dreadful trouble financially. And, and we really believed that God had spoken to us. Um, and, I, and it got to the stage where I just didn't know how we were going to survive. The, 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 the costs spiraled, and we, we didn't know how we could make it work. And then a little bit before, my friend J. John went to America. And um, he didn't tell me that he was going to do this. Uh, but he went to a, a multimillionaire businessman um, who was also very respected as being very prophetic and everything, and asked him, uh, would, you, would you help Mike? Would you help Soul Survivor? Could you give some money to, because they're in real trouble? And the businessman said no. And J. John said to me that he went to him and the businessman said no. And he said the reason is because um, he, he talked about some king of Judah who fought a king of Israel's battle and he got punished because it wasn't his battle, it was another king's battle. And the businessman said, no, uh, Mike's been fighting Andy Hawthorne's battle. It wasn't his battle. And so, you know, he, they're going to go bankrupt because they've been disobedient. And I remember when J. John said to me, it was like a punch in the stomach. Oh, no, I just thought I was being obedient. Oh, no. I'm, we're going to go bankrupt. This is going to be a disaster. This is the kids will be disillusioned. That was the thing I cared about more than anything. They'll never trust again. Oh, no, oh, no. And I remember saying to Matt Redman, um, who was with me at the time, mate, we've messed it up. It's my fault. We're going to go bankrupt. And then Matt just said, he said, Mike, just wait a minute. Just pause a second. Does that sound like our father? Does that sound like your father? Um, you, 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 you got it wrong, so I'm going to bankrupt you, and that's going to be the end of it. Does that sound like your father? And then he said, and secondly, even if we did get it wrong, what are we trying to do? We're only trying to reach people with the gospel. Even if we get it, got it wrong, it wasn't that bad. We were trying to tell people about Jesus. And it was suddenly, oh yes, oh yes. 
And do you know, in the, in the weeks um, just before, money started pouring in from everywhere. There was a businessman, um, another businessman, not from California, but um, from the north of England, uh, who, who gave £170,000. And I remember on the second to last day of the mission, um, we were having an offering. And in those days, you know, if we got £10,000 in an offering at the festival, um, it, was, it was massive. And I remember walking in to the Manchester Evening News Arena, as it was called, in the morning. And we were going to have an offering. And as I was walking in, I remember noticing there were queues at all the ATMs. And I thought, that's a bit strange. And then I looked again, and it was all young people. And then I looked again, and they all had badges. And then they took the offering. And I remember, I think they're on holiday, but I think Dennis... Is Dennis and Miriam Lazell here? I think they're on holiday. But it was... Dennis was... I remember he was one of the counters. And um, they came to me, and they said, you're not going to believe this. We've checked it. It's £112,000. And every penny was paid for. What he orders, he pays for. What he orders, he pays for. And it was a miracle. Yeah, that's right. It was a miracle. He did it. He did it. You don't... The moment has passed now. (laughs) For the recording. Uh, (laughs) Just insert for the recording, standing ovation at that point. Um, And you know what? God did it. And... And it was like, oh my goodness, you are so faithful. And God has been faithful like that every time. And do you know, every time there's that moment of, ah, oh no, can this be right? And then when he does it, it's like, Lord, how did you do that? How did you do that? You are so amazing. I love you more. I feel like the disciples, this little kid that gets it wrong all the time. Where did you get food from? What do you mean? Really? Oh, no, it can't be right. Put the net on the other side. Really? Well, because you say so, we'll have a go. And do you know what? His longing for us is in the place of obedience. In the place of obedience. Band, come up. Give everyone hope. In the place of obedience, what we do is we see miracles and we come to greater intimacy. And that can work in every facet of life. And if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I went for it and it didn't work out, go for it again and again and again. I absolutely finish with this. And then we might have a little, a little celebration um, and see what else the Lord wants to do. I finish with this. I became a Christian two months before my 16th birthday. And uh, I was very, very keen. I had, was more keen than had sense. And uh, I used to go to this prayer group. And there was uh, an older, slightly older guy in the prayer group who really heard the Lord. And one Wednesday night at the prayer group, 
uh, he gave this testimony about how he was walking along and he felt the Lord say to him, go down this road, turn left, go right, uh, and, and you'll see a pub. Yeah, there's, go in the pub, sit, sit at a table. And he sat at a table and a guy came and sat near him and he started talking to the guy. The guy had just had a, some sort of bereavement. They talked and they prayed and he led the guy to the Lord and he said, the Lord led me there and he said, you'll meet someone. Well, I heard that. And I thought, I'm going to do that. So one early evening, I left my home. I went to the front gate. I said, Lord, right or left? And I followed what I thought he was saying up the road, over the roundabout, round the corner. After two hours, I was totally lost. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it took me forever to get back. And I was devastated because I never ended up in a pub. And if I had ended up in a pub, I was underage, so I couldn't have spent long in there anyway. And I hadn't thought it through. And do you know what? I went and I just, I just sat in my room. And I thought, you twit. But do you know what? I still remember, despite my own idiot thinking, I felt God smile. My father smiled. You twit. You funny, silly little boy. You went for it, didn't you? You had a go. I love you. I'm going to teach you. And we're just going to take you a lifetime because you're a bit slow. But I'm not going to give up on you. It's an adventure. It's an adventure. And it's an adventure we're going on together. Let's stand.